This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Hey, folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with uh, coming to you live here from the studio. And I also have with me the one and only on this beautiful weekend from Presidential Bank Mortgage, the man with all the money, Mr. Terry Kernan. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Good. I got to start wearing all my Irish stuff and everything. You got you sport yours well, better than me as an Irish man. Well, I, um, come on, Darren. But we just had the we just had the draft, and I got I got a tiny bit excited, a little bit. I had some people asking me, you know, who did your Atlanta Falcons pick up? What do you think about the year coming up and all this and that? So I thought, well, I'll, I'll wear the colors, but I'm not quite bought in yet to the whole idea of this. What could be possibly happening with the NFL this year? So we don't know. I know you're excited because Dan Snyder is no longer at the helm of the ship for the Redskins, or well, actually the well, Commanders. Well, it's it, the Commanders. He hasn't sorry. gotten off the ship yet. Oh no, he's still hanging on. He's still hanging on. <laughs> it could go on another month. Okay. But the things are things are looking up. Yeah. Uh, things are really looking up as a as a fan of the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I just don't think he'll go away without uh, without doing something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Taking away the draft. Like, Let's like redo the draft. Trying to hit an iceberg or something <laughs> like that. All righty. So, all right, folks. Let's get right into real estate stuff. Hope you're having a great weekend. Um, Terry, lots of stuff happening and all that. But um, but, um, do you want me to do the numbers or do you want to get into the mortgage side of things first? Uh, whatever. You meant you all call right, Let's off. do the numbers. Last week. Here's why I'm excited. You're going to laugh. Get ready. Here's why I'm a little bit excited this week. Last week, uh, inventory, we had 249 homes on the market. Um, total actives, and then this week we uh, had two hundred and two hundred and fifty-four. Wow, so we're up making wow, oh, we're doing a lot of progress. We're making huge progress. You know, now we did break three hundred for a while. It's been really active, as we know. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy. Um, average days in the market keeps coming down, so we're down to forty-five. Resales one hundred and fifty-one, so that's uh, good. And then um, the average median five sixty-five for you know for single family, newer builds and such like that. Um, and uh, the big thing is this uh, new construction. Oh, this is at a big low. I had to kind of take a double take. One hundred three. Okay. We normally hang around one hundred fifty. One hundred sixty is almost a high, but it's like everybody is buying up the new construction simply because the whole pro- problem still exists with the resales being outbid and all that good stuff like that. Yeah, I think there's always going to be at least a hundred new construction because yeah. what you have is the larger track builders are going to have a consistent listing. Yep. And it's the smaller builders that have the onesies and twosies. Mm-hmm. And that's the fluctuation. So what this number reads to me is that the homes are getting bought. There are less homes on the market. And the reason is, is basically, you know, the smaller builders are actually selling the ones that actually are listings rather than a continual listing. Yeah, Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, because a lot of them hang out there. Whereas a few, are you seeing uh, more buyers willing, like saying, you know what, I, I may really, I wasn't maybe totally planning on buying a new home and constructing one, but now I'm thinking about it. Um, so with construction perms, mm-hmm. uh, that demand is there. Uh, it's there. But what I'm seeing is it's really becoming in demand for the smaller homes, the modular homes, which we do a lot of, um, is the modular homes. So where people are saying, God, I'm, I'm losing out on this 350 to 400 range. I'm losing everything. 
what will it take to get a lot? What will it take to put a, you know, a modular home or a stick-built home, whatever the case may be? So, so that demand is going up and up and up. The, the issue there is it's got to be a 10% down, right? Yeah, yeah, so, that's the big thing, 10% so, so, down. So, so, so that's the issue there. But, yes, the demand is there for new construction. It's just that there are some barriers that people have to figure out. And, and the other thing is there's no land out there either. Yeah, lots. Yeah, we'll talk about that no coming lots. up. I do want to share. Um, I just list last week, yesterday, in fact, um, I was at the um, – our Frederick Account Association Realtors, me being treasurer and on the board and all that and kind of being some of the leadership, um, we had the health department and we had Mark Lancaster and a lot of builders and a ton of people were there. Of course, everybody would, was wanting to be able to have an open discussion on some of the guidelines that we've already talked about that they've come out with, with the perk approvals and anything previous to 2019. We're not sure how we want to handle that. And that is, of course, a huge, huge issue that we need to work through in our county, in our area, um, as far as what are going to be some more definitive things that the county and health department and permitting is as absolutely going to either grandfather something in or if it's just not going to happen. And it's just going to be these are the new roles. This is the new game. And um, this is how we're going to proceed forward from here on out. So that was very uh, interesting yesterday. How's that? Now, did they did they say why? And, and what Darren's talking about is something that's, you know, pretty much front and center in building in in the building and private lots. By the way, this is not like a a, a home development that Ryan Homes or Osherman or NVR or Drees or anybody's doing. This is for hey, listen, I own two acre lot in Frederick. I want to sell it, or I'm I'm a buyer. I want to buy a two or three acre lot or one acre lot or whatever it is. And I want to put up my dream house on the lot. And then they find out, uh-oh, uh, it was recorded this way. It said this was how many perk approved. This is what kind of system was approved already before, whatever it is. And now I'm being told until I do permitting, I don't know what I can maybe put on the lot. Well, I just paid X, Y, Z, or I just sold it, or I'm going to sell it under the pretense that it's a four-bedroom rather than a three-bedroom perk approved, or it's a conventional system versus a sand mound versus this or that, and now all of a sudden, everything brings up in the air, values are up in the air, best and highest use is up in the air, process is up in the air, everything's kind of up in the air. But that is if the perk the previous perk was done to 2019 or, or before. previous yes previous to 2019 or yep. 2019 previous anything that's been perk approved by the county and recorded and done okay. in the county from 2019 till today four years four now, years okay that stands that is written in gold that stands that cannot change under any circumstances primarily the actually oh actually i learned yesterday one thing that could do it is the design of the system. The design of the system for perks, I mean, for septic systems can be dictated based on how much rock is in the soil and uh, those factors like that. But outside of that, it's pretty much kind of done. It's approved because we've done our engineering and homework and all that. So it's pretty interesting to have a lot of the builders there and such that are private builders more Mm -hmm. so and many agents and others and a lot of people that are in that whole industry of the uh, environmental and everything else and all that was there and it was a lively 
fun hour and a half discussion and a lot of good points, a lot of good things came up, which I think was really valuable to listen to, to hear all sides of arguments and concerns and questions and thoughts about this. And the biggest thing is how do we move forward in the most reasonable manner not to disrupt people's values and what they want to do and all those other things like that? And and are there going to be things that could possibly be an exception or a variance to some of these guidelines that are being uh, proposed? And the biggest thing we keep saying is, can we please have something grandfathered backwards? Just pick a date. Like what is reasonable based on the FEMA floodplain mapping and Hurricane Sandy we had before that affected the water table levels and this and that and all this other factors that are very significant, no doubt. But can't we just please go back to some kind of a date that's not 2019? That's what the big thing that's is on one thing. side. So anyways, so if anybody wants to know more information about that, well, um, I can get – I think the best thing to do is call the health department because, Terry, I've already had people that own private building lots and they are – the red flags have now flown up in their face about this subject, and they're like, oh, boy, oh, boy. And I'm, so if they redo it, so let's say I own this lot, two acres, I want to sell it. Yep. Now I got a perk done in 2015, so it's no good is what you're saying. So I should go out and redo everything? Are they going to allow me to do that? Yeah, this is the problem. You you can redo all you want, but they're not going to approve anything till a permit. It's in the permitting process that everything gets decided on, not in the um, perk retesting and reevaluation of the lot, and that's where so there's the a little bit of value of lots problem. just dropped. Well, yeah, right? if you the value of the lots, feel? yeah, the feel the feel is this is going to be potentially in some instances be a more negative aspect on values. If I could sell a, a three or four bedroom four bedroom perk approved conventional lot in Frederick or wherever right now. And I could sell that thing for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and all of a sudden you find out later it's it's only a three bedroom. We're going to approve. We're going to downgrade it. Well, now your value just went down X Y Z amount because now you're matching what are lots that are three bedroom perk type approved lots. Now, that's the scariest part is because it's more of a issue to be downgraded than to be upgraded. It's it's a little more. Um, it's something that's just like oh, I'm approved for a three bedroom. And then you go with a permit and then they go through the process. And what are the chances somebody asked, what's the chances in permitting? Somebody goes, surprise, you can put a five-bedroom home on here. That's probably not going to happen much at all. It's going to be more no, of a no, chance no. to downgrade than upgrade. So it's, it's, uh, it's a big subject. This is a really big subject. And somebody says, well, Darren, why is a real estate agent? Are you so concerned if this, were, if this is primarily an issue that deals with you know, um, builders and all that? It's scary to us because if I'm selling a building lot and we put the information out of what it's approved and what it's already been um, deemed to be, and then all of a sudden a buyer buys it thinking that's what it is, and then all of a sudden a year, two years, six months, or five years later, they go to build on it and they get to the permitting process and the county comes back and says, no, you can't do what you bought, what you thought. It's actually less now. Everybody's going to think, well, I can go sue all the real estate agents. I can sue this. I can sue the dog, the cat, 
um, and that's not the case. It's like, wait a minute, things, it's not our decision. As real estate agents, we don't decide best and highest use what you can't do and can't do. We, that's why we have governing authorities. That's why we have codes. That's why we have these organizations that at the end of the day, that's who decides. And the problem is a buyer just can't call the health department and say, hey, look, I'm considering buying this lot today. Here's what it is. Here's all that. I want to just double check on all the information. Health department says, yeah, that's what we have recorded too. And then they find out, but that's not 100% guarantee unless it's been perk approved since 2019 that you can do what you're going to want to do on it. And that's where it becomes a little bit um, nerve-wracking to think, can't we just grandfather back to like the 1986 rule? That would be really nice to do. And, and, and so, let's be clear. This is a Frederick County. This is a Frederick County issue. This is not this Carroll is not County. Montgomery, this is not Montgomery, Washington, nope, Jefferson. Be, no, because they have their own stuff, as I call it, as far as guidelines, rules, regulations, codes, and all that when it comes to their building procedures and such like that. So, okay. so yesterday was really interesting. I know we just got hung up on the weeds in that, but this is like a hot topic. This is something that... I, as a real estate agent, do not want anyone surprised by. I do not want someone to say, I never heard of this, you know. So coming soon, Terry, 62 homes. We would like it to be 100 or 200. That would be marvelous for our industry right now. But that's not the case. And a lot of people say, why are sellers, of course, still not in droves coming out selling homes yet? And because we still have the high interest rates and a lot of sellers just aren't going to give up that 3% quite yet. But I predict in my crystal ball of real estate, we get those interest rates back to 5% or less. And I do believe we're going to see a ton of sellers make a change and a move because it won't be as near as painful. So pending on a contract, 498 came up a little bit. We're seeing a little bit more new. Um, you know, we saw 186 and 312 resales out of those. So not bad. 356 sold in the last 30 days. That's, uh, wow, 400 and less at this time of the year. Now that we've caught up into the spring market, we call it, it's given it about 30 days since it got pretty darn cranked up. And now these numbers, um, I think we'll see these numbers still go up a tiny bit. I think we'll get up near maybe 400, but that's all conducive on uh, how much inventory comes out because you can't, you know, it's not like we're going to see in two more months from now at the end of the summer, Oh, my goodness, we have 650 homes sold in the last 30 days. It's doubled. That's only going to happen as if inventory practically um, doubles in that regard. So, make sense? Whatever goes on the market will sell. For the most part, yeah. At and the it right will. price. It will. Exactly. The um, the average median sale price single-family homes, 524. We had 160 of those resales. And the new single-family homes in the last 30 days, we had 21 of those sell. And we hit an all-time high, Terry, $723,000 for a brand-new build. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We built. We did it. We did it. Brand-new construction, single-family homes in the last 30 days. The average of those sales broke an all-time record in Frederick County. If you're going to buy a brand-new single-family home in Frederick County, plan on paying an average of seven twenty-three. Wow. What are you seeing with brand-new build, single-family home construction? These are these are typically four-bedroom, two-and-a-half or three-bath, two-car garage, 2,800 square feet with a basement. That's what that's what that 723 represents in general. Yeah, and that number last year at this time was probably around what 650. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably about right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what we're seeing is what what I've talked about on the show before is basically it's not the cost of construction that's going up that can be 
pointed at and said, well, the reason, you know, this cost is up to 723 is because of the cost of construction. The reason this number is climbing is because people are getting what they want. They're not getting into a battle of, you know, as you say, a a rumble on the front lawn trying to get a a deal. So so what you're seeing is what you're seeing is is that number is going up. Uh, I I believe that the cost of um, materials in some areas have slowed down tremendously and in lumber it has come down tremendously. So we're not seeing the reason for that increase like it was before the cost of the house. I think it's true appreciation that you're experiencing. That's all it is. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I think that that's a good number uh, and that's realistic. And um, yeah, I, I I think it'll settle down at it some will. point. Yeah, this trend can't continue uh, in retrospect to the economy as a whole, to demand as a whole for that price range. Um all of it. Just and, just every little factor is going to catch up. It's going to catch up. Yeah. And, and you know, I've had Michael Courier on the show twice, um, and he's with the National Association of Home Builders, and he's a great sounding board and great information. And, and if he was here today, he'd say, yeah, that number's going up and the demand is going up, but we still can't build the houses based on our workforce. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a continuing problem in the industry is there's not enough people to fill the jobs to build the homes. Sold the list price ratio things, Terry, 100% basically 100.1. So we're still hovering uh, right at that number, and um, that's been like that a while. All right, mortgages, interest rates, um, news, things that people can do, educational things. Go ahead. All right, let's go. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about this week and what, what went on and what's going to happen, okay? So I'm not going to send any fear through the market. You know, um, That's Cha- good. Chairman Powell, I know you're listening. We're already expecting you to raise rates a quarter of a percent next Wednesday, okay? We know that that's going to happen. We have factored that into our pricing. We have factored that into rates, okay? If you raise it by a half, you and I are going to have a... a, a something to talk about because that's going to send a <laughs> we're lot gonna of, a yeah, we're going to have a rumble in the front door. we're going to have a rumble no but here's the bottom line is that they're going to raise rates next wednesday okay. a quarter of a point do not panic do not think that rates are going to continue and then what's going to happen is my belief is that they're going to shut off the faucet they're going to turn off the faucet they're not going to raise rates anymore until that it is data driven okay okay when does the data start Mm-hmm. That's going to start driving whether we raise What's the happened? rates. Is it working? Is yeah. it doing what they want it to do? Is next Friday, okay, two days after they raise the rates, there's going to be the unemployment figures, big oh, numbers. Yeah. Okay, Wednesday after that, you've got the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and then the Producer Price Index the next day following that. Okay, those are the three hot topics that drive okay? all this. But here's what kind of uh, the least sexy of all inflation indexes, okay, is the um, personal consumption index, okay, the PCI. And what is the PCI? The P, It's personal consumption expenditures index, okay, the PCE. This is a measure of the prices that people pay buying for pay for goods and services, okay? the This index is known for capturing inflation or deflation across a wide range of consumer expenses. 
but most importantly, it reflects the changes in consumer behavior. Okay, so this is the one that you really don't hear about. Okay, but this is one of the ones that the feds really, really, really hinge a lot on. And this came out this past Thursday and it went up 0.3 percent. What does that mean? It came right in where the economists were thinking it was going to come in. When you strip out the gas and the food and the energy, um, when you it only went up 0.1%. So that is a huge reason that I feel that the stability of the inflation is going to continue because we had low CPI, we had low PPI, and the employment, everything is pointing. But this is the one, the, the, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, the PCE. Nobody talks about it, but the feds think about it all the time and this number is the one that that i believe is going to steer us into stability okay yeah we're going to see the other one so that's kind of what's going on with you know the market do not panic next wednesday when they raise the rates just say oh yeah i heard terry say that they're going to raise the rates one more time yeah all it does is affects you know credit cards and home equity lines and so forth yeah we'll see how it goes the only thing i have would ask i mean the devil's advocate real quick would be if we know these three very significant numbers that are coming off the heels of um them raising rates next week is like why wouldn't you delay deciding how you're going to do this next rate increase or not increase and get these numbers first, then it. So let's let's just postpone this Fed meeting for like another week or two. Um, but I know that's not how it works. But that's the logic that just hits my mind. Like if these are so significant, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get those numbers and see what that is first. But uh, but they can always readjust later and do whatever. I guess. You know. Yeah. Well. Well. Here's how the Fed's meeting works. It's usually every six weeks. Right. Okay. It's not every month. It's usually every six weeks. And at those meetings, they have the opportunity to raise rates. Okay, Mm -hmm. so they're going to take six weeks of data, starting with some very important data, uh, starting next Friday, and they're going to evaluate. So when they meet in June, they're going to be able to determine whether that they need to raise rates. I don't think that they're going to raise rates. I think they're going to put a hold. The, the, The raising of rates has caused a lot of turmoil in the banking industry. Yeah. Okay. tremendous amount of turmoil in the banking industry. It's, you know, people are pointing to the Silicon Valley Bank, the SVB Bank failure as one of the reasons or one of the uh, side effects of raising the rates too fast. Yeah. All right. What other tip and trick can you give our buyers and and sellers um, about mortgage stuff and all that right now? So let's talk about what we've been talking about. And and we kind of seem to beat a dead horse sometimes about trying to tell people that, that you know, here, here's what you need to do. Here's what you got to do. I'm going to talk about something that that hopefully makes a little bit of sense and hopefully somebody can take something away from it. If you want to buy a house, if you want to do anything major in your life, any major decision that you have to make, you should have a plan, right? Yeah. So if I want to retire in five or six years, I need a plan to get to that retirement. I can't just show up on my 65th birthday and say, hey, geez, I want to retire. You know, I can't do that unless I have a plan. Right now, a lot of people don't have a plan when buying a house. Okay. Number one thing that I'm seeing, Darren, people with credit challenges. They want to buy a house, but they don't want to 
put a plan together to fix their credit, okay? Yeah. Credit, ladies and gentlemen. That's everything now. Credit is like bad breath. If you <laughs> don't do anything about it, it is not going away, okay? Okay. If you ignore bad credit... It's not going to surprisingly be awesome credit (laughs) in a year, okay? Right. Same thing with bad breath. Just do something about it, okay? Mm -hmm. Have a plan, okay? Come up with a plan. Sit down. I will work with you with a plan and say this is what we're going to do to increase your credit scores. This is what we're going to do to have a plan to buy a house, okay? So many people, the light bulb turns on. We get a phone call, you get a phone call, I get a phone call, mm-hmm. and they say, I want to buy a house. I saw this house. They don't have a plan. They don't know what that payment's going to be. They don't know how much money they need to put down. Yeah. They don't know what loan program. Biggest thing I get is I'll say, well, what loan program are you using? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we need to figure that out like before we even see the house. Yes. So I, my, the thing that I'm going to say today and stress today is if you want to buy a house, if you want to retire, if you want to get married, if you want to have children, if you want to pay for college, all these things, if you want to lose weight, if you want to do this, everything you need to have that plan. Buying a house is no different, but the That's amount good. of people that I see come in to my, that I answer a phone, that I talk to, they don't have a plan. They don't know anything. All they know is that they saw a house on the internet. And they want to buy that house. They want to put a contract on that house. They don't have a plan to buy that house. They don't have a plan to strategize to buy that house. If you just put in contracts, okay, without figuring out, okay, well, this is a lower than average priced home. The realtor put it on the market because they want to spur some interest. So instead of going in at 350, we're going to go in at 390 or 391. And then we're going to put an escalation clause up to four. Whatever it is, people don't have a plan, and that leads to frustration. And here's where they start to get the plan, Darren. Here's where they start to get the idea that, well, I better think about this, is usually after like the third contract that they lose. Then they start to listen yeah. to what yeah. everybody's saying. Yeah, now that then they start to listen. And prov- yes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my advice <laughs> this time around. I I I hope I struck a chord with some people. Yeah, I hope so, um, too, because it's really important. I, I don't show people much. I mean, you're working with a few people I've given to you that um, you had said you're still working through some things and all that. And it's like, you're right. You don't put the cart before those. So it's like we're not going to look at a home that are going to sell in three days without a plan and a pre-approval and getting credit here or thinking of this way or that way. And that is really, really important. All right. We've got two minutes left. Life on the streets. Check this out, Terry. Here is what I'm dealing with now because next week I'm going to follow up with this. Just when you thought the home had no major issues, it looks good. I mean, there's a little tiny concern like, well, there's a little crack over there. There's a little this and that, a little bit of this and that and the veneer or whatever. Then all of a sudden the home inspector comes along and he says, hey, I think you should get a general contractor and engineer to check this out and further evaluate things. Wow, that's always a fun thing to think about too. And we did that and all of a sudden, guess what we discover? A major issue that definitely is has been an issue and can become even a greater issue down the road. So now, next week, folks, I'm going to talk about what do we do when the home is being sold as is. The seller doesn't want to make no repairs. 
or do anything about it, what in the world are they going to do? So actually, our producer said we got one more minute or so. So here we go, Terry. Okay. Ready? Good. Here it is. This home I'm helping someone buy right now that we're in the middle of the contract. It's already been accepted. We did all this stuff, and the engineer coming back. I'm going to get the report on Monday, and we have a pretty substantial and the vestibule area of this home and the foundational area of it. Um, they had actually came and do some due diligence, checked out the veneer, checked out this, checked out that. And we came and we figured out that this has been sinking. And they dug down and took some time and realized that the foundation is only about eight inches. So, what? What? yeah, I know. I hear. What? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Till you get a shovel and get deeper. And That's a tree fork. That's not a. <laughs> well, this is this is the whole entire front of the house, by the way. And so, therefore. This is not an easy fix. This isn't like, hey, we can come in here and we can jack it up an inch or two or do this and that and level it out and everything's great and reinforce it a little bit and everything's good. That's not this kind of situation. This is one of those where they say uh, this needs to be taken down and put back up right. Now, so all of a sudden, um, this is now not just a, hey, this is going to cost like $10,000 to deal with. This is going to be a lot of money. So, the home is being sold as is, and according to the contract to sell, the seller does not want to fix or repair or do anything about the conditional issue of this home, which puts them in a weird position. Number one, this is now what we call a material known latent defect fact. The attorneys would say, now that you know this, this has to be disclosed no matter what in regards to um, the contract or whether you fix it now or you sell the house. It has to be disclosed, and so you might as well deal with it now. The buyer position is, number one, they can either walk away and get their deposit back, and everything's fine, or they can renegotiate with the seller, get closing cost credit, have the seller fixed it, reduce price, or do something like that. Next week, we're going to talk about a whole bunch more of this. Take care. Have an awesome weekend, guys. When you are Frederick Real Estate Update, happy buying and selling.